The first candle on the Advent wreath is lit. We have begun the journey toward Christmas and the coming of God into our world as a newborn child. Hardly the sort of divine appearance that is called for in this particular scripture passage. So why are we reading these words now? And what does Isaiah have to do with Christmas? During Advent this year, I'm taking a closer look at the people whose lives intersected with the birth of Jesus Christ, the characters, if you will, in the great drama that we call Christmas. And strange as it may seem, I actually need to start hundreds of years before Jesus' birth with the Old Testament book of Isaiah. So many of the beloved images of Christmas come from this book. Listen to these words from the ninth chapter. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And these words from Isaiah 11. The wolf will lie down with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. Peaceable kingdom. In Isaiah 40, we find words that are heard in every performance of Handel's Messiah, in the King James, of course. Comfort ye, comfort my people, saith your God. A voice that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked strayed and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And these words from Isaiah 7, as quoted in the first chapter of Matthew. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear, shall bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. I could go on, but you get the point. The words of Isaiah have truly shaped our understanding of Christmas for centuries. So, who was Isaiah. Biblical scholars believe that this book is actually made up of the words of two, or more likely three, prophets, covering a span of time from the 8th to the 6th centuries B.C. Scripture tells us little or nothing about these prophets, but their words indicate that they were men of God who dared to speak truth even when it was painful and even when it meant confronting power. The prophets of Israel were not soothsayers. They did not foretell the future. Instead, they recognized God at work in the world and in their time. And as they felt inspired, they spoke the word of God to the people of Israel. Sometimes they spoke words of hope and comfort, like those we've just read. But more often, they called Israel back to God with words of judgment. And occasionally, they spoke the word of the people of Israel to God. Such is the case in today's most un-Christmas-like reading from the prophet whom scholars call Third Isaiah. His words were most likely written late in the 6th century, after the end of the Babylonian exile, when those who had been forcibly taken from their beloved Jerusalem to the city of Babylon were finally allowed to return. 
Imagine their joy. They were going home. But when they arrived in the city of Jerusalem, all was not as they had imagined. So much had to be done. The protective walls of the city were in ruins. Its buildings were damaged, and the great temple of the Lord was razed to the ground. Prague was hampered by the struggle to survive as well as by clashes that occurred between the, those who were immigrating back and those who had not been displaced. Life was incredibly challenging, and the light of hope that had burned so bright was in danger of going out altogether. In the face of this cri- crisis, the prophet cries out to God, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Isaiah's words express the overwhelming despair of people, despair that is compounded by the sense that God has abandoned them. His plea is part of a larger lament that begins in the previous chapter with a recounting of the gracious deeds of the Lord, a poignant reminder of God's long relationship with Israel. It was no messenger or angel but his presence that saved them. In his love and his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. In the past, Israel has experienced God as one who did awesome deeds that we did not expect and who works for those who wait for him. But now, the comfort of God's saving presence is missing, even hidden. And the prophet asks, where are you, God? Why don't you act and fix this terrible situation? Oh, that you would come down and make things right. I can't help but think that Isaiah's desperate plea reflects the way many of us are feeling right now. It has been, to say the least, a difficult year for our nation and for our world. And the list of our troubles is far too long. Ongoing racial, ethnic, and religious tension and the rise of neo-Nazi groups. A plethora of natural disasters, hurricanes, earthquakes, fires mass shootings at home and terrorism abroad, unceasing conflict and the very real threat of nuclear war, the equally real problem of sexual harassment at all levels, an increasing gap between rich and poor, a country divided politically and socially, not to mention personal illness or loss that we may have experienced. Sadly, many of these woes can be laid at our own feet. Too long we have put down people who were different from us and ignored those in need. Too long we have refused to admit our role in the reality of climate change. Too long we have turned a blind eye to and even celebrated violence. Too long we have let pride and desire blind us. Too long we have sinned. In the words of Isaiah, we have become, all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds like filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and we don't know how to fix ourselves, much less the world. Yet we desperately want things to be fixed. 
We long for the world to be a place of peace for all people. We long to be free of guilt and fear. We long to live lives filled with hope and joy and love. We long for things to change. And perhaps this is where we need to begin this Advent, by expressing our need of God and our longing for a world made new. With Isaiah, we plead for God to intervene and to forgive. Do not be exceedingly angry, O God, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Thank goodness the prophet does not leave us without hope. Listen. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our powder. We are all the work of your hand. What a shift in perspective. We started with the image of God as a divine warrior tearing open the heavens, but now Isaiah speaks of this same God as a father and as a potter who slowly, continuously shapes and reshapes his wayward people. His original image serves to remind us that wherever, whenever God is present to us, there is power, even in a tiny child in a manger. While his final image shows us a God who is as close to us as a father and as near to us as a potter is to her clay, a God who is there for all people. Isaiah's words encourage us to express our longing, our anxiety, and our fears to the one who is our Father, and to trust in the one who is, in spite of everything to the contrary, working to remake our world. While we need to follow the prophet's need in expressing our deepest longing, his words also call us to watch for, and indeed to participate in, the sometimes seemingly insignificant ways in which God is at, is present, and is at work, in hospitality shared and needs filled, in kindness given and forgiveness offered, in justice fought for and love poured out. One last thought. The prophet Isaiah speaks with some trepidation of the hiddenness of God. It seems to me, however, that if God is indeed for hidden, God is hidden in plain sight in the person of Jesus Christ. For in him, God has come down, not to harm, but to heal, not to rend, but to redeem. God has come down to save us and to make this world a place of hope and peace, joy and light and love. Thanks be to God. Amen.